When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back. This is the second episode in our series on the mysterious murder of 24-year-old Phoebe Hansjuk. In the last episode, we learned about how Phoebe Hansjuk died and the conflicting theories surrounding her demise. Despite the police's conclusion that it was an accidental death caused by Phoebe's drunken state, her grandfather, Lauren Campbell, a retired police detective believed that foul play was involved. The medical examiner and coroner's reports and suggestions raised more questions than answers, leaving the case unsolved. Some can't help but feel that the examiner and coroner had something to hide, only because they were adamant about letting the court know of Phoebe's drinking habits and shady past perhaps in an attempt to protect someone. But who? In episode two, we dig deeper into the case, exploring new evidence that might point to the possibility that this was a murder, not a suicide or accidental death. Phoebe's grandfather conducted his own tests in the building to check how possible it was for her to have accidentally fallen, or even meaningfully fallen, down the chute herself. He writes in his notes, It should be noted here that a videotaped reenactment I conducted showed the great difficulty experienced by two extremely fit and sober young women of around Phoebe's size in achieving a seated position in the 12th floor garbage hatch. Their hands and feet were all over the hatch door and its surrounding, both of which were made of satin-finished stainless steel. On the night of Phoebe's death, there was very little marking of any kind on these surfaces, no readable fingerprints, and no blood. 
she was in fact bleeding, as evidenced by the previously mentioned drops of her blood on the floor of the 12th floor refuse room. Phoebe was also barefoot. Lauren Campbell was sure she had to have been pushed down the chute, because achieving this by herself, drunk or sober, would have been impossible. And despite these tests and findings, the coroner continues on his speculation, stating before the court, At the time, I found that her mental state, caused by her earlier intake, was the same as the state described above by Dr. Odell. That is, an unconscious state with a level of motor control in place. Or at the very least, she was deeply confused and quite unable to think in a rational manner. Phoebe's long-term enthusiasm for climbing and penchant for undertaking physically challenging activity was a factor in this event. She then levered herself into the chute while still facing away from the entry door and commenced to move down the chute cylinder. This is the initial stages, at least, by pressing her extremities and her bottom and back against opposite walls of the chute, thereby controlling herself in descent. While it's true that the 24-year-old loved climbing and hiking, neither skill would have come useful in this regard. But the speculations didn't end there. Coroner White delved into the perplexing case of Phoebe's tragic demise, attributing her bizarre actions to the intoxicating concoction of zolpidem and alcohol coursing through her veins. He was convinced that this deadly blend had pushed her into an automatic state. His chilling narrative paints a vivid picture of a young woman, her mind clouded by the sinister combination of these substances, unwittingly climbing into the chute without an inkling of the grave danger she faced. But it was found during this investigation that Phoebe was never prescribed this drug. But Antony Hampel was. Yes, Phoebe had taken the drug in the past, but it was before she'd been with Antony. And even back then, there was no evidence that the drug ever induced this kind of behavior. As the sordid details unfolded, it became clear that while cases of Zolpidem-induced strange behavior have been reported globally, they are extremely rare. Most of these incidents typically involved activities that were already familiar within their waking lives. And climbing into a garbage disposal hatch wasn't among Phoebe's daily routines. The ability of Zolpidem to produce the effects described by Coroner White remained shrouded in mystery. His positive finding resting on a bed of pure speculation. One fact was indisputable the drug would have wreaked havoc on her central nervous system, exaggerating the physical effects of her alcohol intoxication. If that was true, her intoxication would have made the climbing feats attributed to her by the coroner nearly impossible. The hypothesis that Phoebe performed such extraordinarily challenging and unusual feats, all while under the influence of zolpidem and alcohol, bordered on the absurd. The coroner's unwavering faith in his conclusion 
couldn't just be the conviction of a self-assured man. There had to be more to it. And there was. It turns out that Antony had tried to get clear from the case from Coroner White, forcing Lorne Campbell to make a submission to White, outlining eight reasons why that shouldn't happen. The coroner acknowledged these submissions in writing, but it didn't seem to have any effect on how he approached the case. But another troubling aspect of this case is White's decision to completely disregard the closing submissions provided by his own counsel. Melbourne barrister Deborah Simensima was appointed as counsel assisting the coroner, and she was responsible for conducting a thorough and insightful examination of each witness connected to the victim. Simensima provided the coroner with a comprehensive 68-page closing submission with a detailed analysis of the evidence and clear, well-considered recommendations, each supported by relevant evidence, or a lack thereof. Her primary advice was that Coroner White could only return an open finding based on the available evidence. She also specifically advised White to avoid coming to the conclusion of suicide, misadventure, or borderline personality disorder. And just like Campbell, she told White not to exclude Antony from the case or dismiss the possibility of a third party. And as is obvious to you by now, these words fell on deaf ears. There were elements of evidence presented to Coroner White that raised unanswered questions, but was not mentioned in his findings as relevant or significant. Among these were indications that Phoebe intended to go out on the afternoon of December 2nd. For example, her Prada sunglasses were found near her head on the compactor room floor, which she wore outside on sunny days and on top of her head when not in use. It is unlikely that she would have put them on to throw away the garbage, unless she was planning to leave the house. And there was another reason to believe she was planning to go out. A police photograph showed Phoebe's hair-straightening irons plugged in and on the bathroom floor. It's unlikely they would be left out and plugged in, if not in use. Given Antony's concerns for neatness and tidiness in the apartment, Another indicator she was going to go out was her purse on the kitchen bench, containing her phone charger and house keys. Hample testified that he believed Phoebe had lost her Nokia phone and that he had taken her iPhone for repair on December 2nd, the day of her death. If both statements were true, it would mean Phoebe did not have either of her phones that evening, though she would have no reason to put the charger in her purse. The charger indicated that she had planned to go out for long enough that she'd need to recharge her phone somewhere. Then there was the matter of her clothing. When Phoebe was discovered in the compactor room, her jeans were below her knees. They were undone at the waist, and her studded belt was threaded only through the first two of the five belt loops, suggesting she was interrupted and possibly incapacitated while putting the jeans on. If the jeans had been below her knees before she entered the chute, 
it would have been physically impossible for her to have climbed in by herself. And yet, this piece of information was omitted from the coroner's notes too. In the comments section of his findings, the coroner said that the police should have immediately secured the CCTV hard drive instead of allowing the building management to look after it, and that the police should have confiscated the two computers in the apartment. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. He also noted that the first police on the scene shouldn't have blocked the ambulance crew from checking on Phoebe because they classified it as a crime scene. This delay resulted in Phoebe not being medically examined for nine and a half hours, so it couldn't be established whether she was actually dead when she was found. But he added that it didn't matter because, quote, it is clear that Phoebe was deceased by the time the ambulance officers arrived at the scene. According to Lauren Campbell, Coroner White was not entitled to draw that conclusion. There was nothing clear about Phoebe's state, and nothing except a proper medical examination would have provided an answer. Phoebe was not killed by the fall itself, because the exam revealed she had in fact crawled around on the floor of the compactor room for some time in pitch darkness before passing out near the door. It is possible, as shocking as it may sound, that she was only unconscious and not dead when the police found her. The police sergeant, who had taped off the area and prevented access by the ambulance crew, was also not qualified to pronounce Phoebe dead, regardless of his years of experience in this field. The ambulance personnel could only view Phoebe through a partially open door and were unable to draw a proper conclusion. The only evidence the pathologist, Dr. Lynch, had access to was the very limited, second-hand observations of the police and the ambulance crew, none of whom had even touched her. In his testimony, Dr. Lynch, when questioned about signs of life, stated that the acid test was the finding of a pulse and that one could not say with absolute confidence that someone was deceased without physically examining to establish that matter. Consequently, he could not make a definite assessment, and neither could Coroner White. 
But White didn't let that fact stop him from making his assumptions anyway. White's statement implied that the police had prioritized the preservation of life in this case, which was the opposite of what had happened. The reality was that they had prevented ambulance officers from examining Phoebe and favored preserving the crime scene. In the coroner's assertion, the police's mistake here hadn't caused too much damage, and nobody can confidently assert how much evidence was lost due to the failure to secure the CCTV hard drive and computers early on. This lack of knowledge did not qualify him to make such a claim, and it cast doubt on the comfortable degree of certainty he claimed to have in his findings. Phoebe's iPhone and SIM card were returned to Anthony Hample after an incomplete examination by the Homicide Squad. By the time of the inquest, which happened almost three years later, the SIM card had disappeared, and Anthony claimed he could not find it. Anthony's iMac computer, which Phoebe also used, was not seized by the police until four months after her death. No one could know how much computer evidence was lost or corrupted during that time. In addition, the Victoria Police E Crime Division lacked the necessary equipment to properly analyze an iMac, resulting in a poor and often inconclusive analysis. Astonishingly, the analysis only began after the start of the inquest, two and a half years after the computer was seized. The numerous instances of police failings in this case, in which evidence was missed, not sought, not photographed, not secured, or not noted, led to the loss of crucial information forever. This death, which could have been a homicide, remains shrouded in mystery. Or does it? In 2018, Hample went on to date 25-year-old model Bailey Schneider. But just a few months after, Bailey was found lifeless, leaning against a kitchen cabinet with a golden cord wrapped around her neck. The 25-year-old was found in her family home in Mooney Ponds, Melbourne, on June 24, 2018. Only hours earlier, she had ended her relationship with Anthony Hample. Initially ruled as a suicide, Snyder's case was later referred to a homicide squad for further examination in December of that year. Deputy Coroner Caitlin English eventually determined the cause of death to be self-inflicted asphyxiation. Caitlin concluded that Snyder, under the influence of drugs, alcohol, prescription medication, and cocaine, and troubled by her relationship ending, impulsively decided to end her life. Snyder's relationship with Hample had ended because their worlds were too different, according to the coroner. Her parents, Cameron and Sabine Schneider, begged the police to look into the case further because it just didn't make sense for their daughter to take her own life. First, there was no suicide note. Second, there was no practical place for her to hang a rope in the room 
And third, a note to her family, she had taken a life insurance policy just three weeks prior. Before her death, Snyder had been involved with Antony for around nine months. She had kept much of her life hidden from her parents, including her work at strip clubs and her relationship. When her mother learned about Antony and their breakup, she made an effort to reach out and inform him of the tragedy. And in response, he expressed his condolences and mentioned that he had been trying to help Bailey get her life back on track. Needless to say, the perplexing and disturbing circumstances surrounding the deaths of these two young women have left their families searching for answers and struggling to understand the events that led to such devastating outcomes. As we conclude this episode, we're left with one question. Is it possible that Antony Hample played a major role in the lives and deaths of both Phoebe Hansjuk and Bailey Snyder? It's undeniably chilling the two young women he was involved with met such tragic ends. Did he play a part in these events? Or was he just an unfortunate soul who lost two people he loved dearly? And why did Coroner White seem so intent on protecting him? Or was it merely a coincidence? As always, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.